Chapter 2 You Are Saved to Serve In his letter to the church in Rome, Paul says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Romans chapter 1, verse 14. When and where did Paul discover that he was obligated, in debt to the very edge of bankruptcy? Not in the theological school in Jerusalem. More likely, it was on the way to Damascus. God drew aside the veil which hides the earthly from the heavenly and gave him a glimpse of the risen and glorified Jesus. He learned more theology in that one moment than in all the years he had spent at the feet of Gamaliel. That little revelation of Jesus wrought a revolution in Saul. That is what revelations are for. As soon as he became acquainted with Jesus, he believed everyone else ought to know him. That priceless knowledge was a sacred trust, and he was a debtor to everyone who did not know him. Something of the same kind occurs at every true conversion. We realize that our relationship with this world has changed almost as much as our relationship with God. This is a lost world, and while we are still in it, we are no longer of it. We belong to the life-saving service, and it is our business to help seek and save the lost. As we go through life, we no longer ask, how much can we get out of this world, but rather, how much can we put into it? With Jesus Christ to draw upon, every one of us has more to give to the world than the whole wide world has to give to us. I am a child of the King. I am a child of the King. The threefold obligation to serve our day and generation arises from the following. 1. From the commands of the Lord Jesus. No one can read the New Testament without noticing that he expects every one of his followers to become a soul winner. He taught the world for thirty years by example and three years by precept. Then, at the close of his earthly career, he uttered one command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That command remains in force to this day. You did not choose me, he says, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give to you. John chapter 15 verse 16. Here then is the Christian's call and commission to be a personal worker. Couple these commands with such ringing utterances as, You are my friends if you do what I command you, John chapter 15 verse 14, and, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, Luke chapter 6 verse 46. We must either quit calling Jesus Lord, or we must go about the Master's business. 2. From the nature of the gospel itself. It is good news, and therefore, it must be carried to the individual by an individual. We hear much about reaching the masses and regenerating society, but we must not forget that society is composed of individuals. Sin is an individual matter, and so is salvation. The world will not be judged by nations or townships, but each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus taught the crowds, but when he forgave people's sins, he did it one by one. You will be gathered up one by one, O sons of Israel. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 12. The gospel is so simple that even a child can understand it. However, sin is so subtle, and the needs of men are so varied 
that it often requires an experienced worker to apply the gospel to the individual successfully. One sinner thinks he is not very bad, and another is afraid he cannot hold out. Still others have doctrinal difficulties of various kinds. What is worse still is that most of them are not quite ready to do their duty when they see it without some persuasion. Hence, no amount of preaching can ever replace the personal worker. 3. The changed religious conditions require it. In the past, it was customary for people to attend church. Indeed, one was hardly counted respectable unless he did. That day has gone by. The world no longer comes to the church for the gospel. The majority of the people today do not attend church. One reason for this is the strenuous life that many lead. They work so hard through the week that they consume seven days' strength in six days. When Sunday comes, they are so exhausted that they think they cannot attend church. Many working men receive such small wages that they cannot provide suitable clothing. Even if they do go, the contrast between their humble home and the elegant church is often so striking as to be painful. In many churches, the gospel has been replaced with a cheap substitute. The ministers preach over our heads is a common complaint among poor people. Occasionally, though not usually, a church is so cold and formal that a stranger is not likely to enter a second time. The story is told about a poor man once applied for admission to a wealthy church. The committee saw that he would add nothing to their financial strength or social standing and recommended that he wait a while. To their surprise, he soon appeared again. At a loss of words, one of them suggested that he talk with the Lord about the matter. The man meekly consented and went away. In a few weeks, he appeared before the committee again. They were now at their wit's end, but determined to contest every step of the way, they inquired, Brother, did you talk with the Lord about this matter? I did. And what did he say? He told me not to get discouraged, but to be as patient as I could. He said he had been trying to get into this church himself ever since it was organized, but that he had not yet succeeded. This story may seem a little exaggerated, but it is to be feared that there are not a few churches where such an interview might occur. For these and other reasons, a large part of every community practically ignores the church. When this is the case, there is only one alternative. The church must carry the gospel to the world, for the gospel they must have. But who is to do it? The laymen and women. They know the people. They meet them in the shops, stores, and on the street. They know their needs and disposition as a minister cannot. This is the New Testament idea. To every man his work. The church is not a field upon which the minister is to spend his strength, but a force which he is to organize and lead in the conquest of the world. The church will never achieve any marked success until she trains and puts every available man, woman, and child to work.